Welcome to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs, a webinar series that packs a ton of important agency information on one topic from one expert into a 25-minute brief. Why 25 minutes? Because who has the attention span for much more these days? And you can squeeze in a listen between meetings with time for a bathroom break or coffee refill before your next meeting. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bite Sized Agency Briefs. I'm your host, Steve Guberman from Agency Outsight, where I coach agency owners to build the agency of their dreams. I'm here with my longtime friend, Ken Jacobs from Jacobs Consulting and Ex Executive Coaching, where he helps empower PR and communication leaders and executives to become more effective leaders. It's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in person in I, ages. Yes. Who, who can remember, you know? Before the blip, it's world. been ages. So it's, it's really great to connect. And, and I need to take a moment and express some gratitude towards you because when I started to go down this journey of coaching, you were the one of the first people, if not the first person that popped into my head and said, not, not, it wasn't the thought of, well, if that guy can do it, I can do it. It was, if I grow up, I want to be like this guy, how do I do that? And so, you know, you were, you were instrumental in, in the conversations that we had. And so just really grateful um, that you helped kind of you know push me along on, on the way that I'm on now. Well, well, thank you. That probably was your first mistake reaching out. To me, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we have, we didn't send you too far down the wrong path. Not at all. Um, so, pleasure. so talk about the quick rundown. You've been doing this for eons. How'd you get into coaching sure, and, sure. and leadership training and, and what's yeah. your sweet spot right now? So a couple of things. So I got into the agency business young. I got it to like right out of college. I got into management and leadership in agencies early. DAY, which became Ogilvy and Mather PR, which became Ogilvy Adamson Reinhardt. Changed names a few times. A little, you know, sure. merger, little too many mergers. Marina Mar Communications. And that's where I actually started the training program and the light bulb went off that said, someday I'm going to do this on my own. I, I didn't know how or where or why, because I thought I was going to be an agency guy forever. And during a lot of that time, I had been coached and I was mm -hmm. told that I was a good coaching client. I was like a sponge. I sensed there might be a chapter two, but I, but that was in sort of in conflict with, oh, I'm an agency guy for life. Well, some of the agencies where I worked felt a little differently about that. And when I turned 50, I did a whole reevaluation, which I think is very good to do at 50, at 45, at 30, constantly be reevaluating. And during those years, this whole notion of thinking about what do I really want to do? What am I really good at? What brings me joy? I'll be honest, that did not enter into my mind for many years. 2007 did a whole reevaluation. I knew I wanted to serve mostly the agency world, mostly PR advertising, marketing comms, et cetera, because mm -hmm. agency people are great, PR marketing comms, advertising people are great. So it made mm -hmm. sense to do that. And I knew I wanted it to be some combination of consulting, training, and coaching. After a while, I enjoyed the consulting. I got some repeat business. I loved the training seeing the light bulbs going off, you know, mm -hmm. in the students or imagining light bulbs going off, but coaching more and more felt like a calling. That's when I went and did my training, got certified and, and never looked back. Yeah. So that, that was an evolution of consulting into coaching, into training, or well, no. are those still 
three exclusive I, I did one. all three from the get-go okay from the beginning but i would say the coaching compared to the other two really took off mm -hmm. after the formal training and certification because it frankly changed the way i coached so i got more business and as i look to my future because right now i'm thinking i could work forever or mm -hmm. i could work four more years or two more years or forever right yeah. um the reality is at a certain point they don't necessarily hire people with gray hair to train 25 year olds though for the real consultant to truly consult with an agency to understand what's going on and that means not just understanding where i grew up which is pr right but truly understanding social which i think i do but mm -hmm. also understanding digital content metrics all those things do i really want to keep up with that i don't know yeah. it's a lot of yeah. work but when i even think about how do i remain a great coach and become a better coach what kind of courses will i take and certification will i take that just excites me. So yeah. I can see doing that forever. Yeah. So leadership coaching and, and helping leaders grow and evolve and even even non-leaders becoming leaders is really where your core focus is. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've learned, you know, this notion of having followership, mm. this notion of being a trusted and trusting leader. Yeah. The ability to treat everyone on your team with respect, no matter the situation. The ability to have honest dialogue with everyone. And I don't call them challenging conversations because then you're telling your brain, oh, it's going to be challenging. Like, why would right. you do that? We could call it formerly challenging conversations. <laughs> but I like the conversation the formerly known as challenging. Yeah, right. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> But, but I think if we, if we just think about them as honest dialogue that will help this person do their mm -hmm. job better, you know, that will construct our relationship, yeah. you know, so, so we do a lot of work there. And, and I think we've also learned we can't motivate others. A lot of people come to help me motivate my team. You can't motivate your yeah. team. Sorry. They motivate themselves, but there are things you can do that will drive more self-motivation one is yeah. being an inspiring leader and another is aligning their position with their skills and their passion yeah that latter part i think is essential and too many people say well i hired you to be a designer and maybe you're not the best designer you got to go as opposed to what are your true strengths and how do we yeah. pull those out of you and either build a, a role for you or slot you into a role that exists to leverage those true strengths that you have. The the idea that any owner is a leader, I mean, where do you fall with that? Or can any owner become a leader? Yeah, so I have maybe a broader definition of leadership. My definition is if you use your leadership influence, you use your leadership energy, Yeah. you lose your leadership to affect, to drive the outcomes, the desired outcomes, for the organization, for the clients, for your peers, if you have peers, especially for your team, for yeah. your boss, if you have one, and your stakeholders, if you are using your leadership influence to drive those desired outcomes, yeah. you're leading. And I always yeah. say, 
the question it shouldn't be am i leading the question is like ed Koch, she's you know how am i how am i doing how am i leading you're always leading and if you agree with my definition or sort of agree with my definition of leadership then so many people in an agency <clears throat> or any organization can be a leader regardless of title regardless yeah. of where you sit on the org chart sure we help ceos and presidents and of agencies but i work a lot with evps and svps and vps um not lower in importance just just you know maybe lower on the chart in the hierarchy yeah right to drive up their leadership ability uh yeah. and, and ability to influence and i've had i've had a, a few people in my career where regardless of their title or function people were lined up outside their office to get their knowledge and wisdom and support or to run ideas by them just because that person was willing to lead. Yeah. And I think it's important in in an organization where you've got a lot of different quote unquote leaders, and I use air quotes, because some people are put in roles where they're not actual leaders. And then you've got people going to the actual leaders instead of to their direct report bosses or things like that. In those situations I mentioned, the lines of people outside the door yeah. told you they had followers. If you have followers, you're a leader. Mm. You know, conversely, you could have whatever title you want, yeah. but if you're not inspiring, if you're not an effective leader, you're not going to have followers. I always say leadership is a two-part conscious choice. Mm. Your conscious decision to lead, to not just be a practitioner, or a manager, but to lead people. That's one part of the equation. Yeah. And, and, and either you make that decision or you don't, you know? And the other part is their conscious decision to follow you. And just because they report to you on an org chart, just because they send work through you, does not mean they view you as a leader. That's mm -hmm. a conscious choice. So it's all connected in that you make that decision to lead and that encourages people to follow you if you know, if you're good at it. So somebody somebody grows up through an agency, now they become a manager. And I use that word you know, d uh, intentionally. They become a manager yeah. because now yeah. I've got people reporting to me. How does that person then evolve into, if they're not a natural born leader and they're not natural right. at inspiring, what are things that either really top management can do to help that person become a leader or what are things that that person themselves can do? I don't want to just be a, you know, a delegator and a manager. I want to inspire and lead. How do I, how do I do that? So, so a couple of things, you know, I never even use the term manage with people because I don't believe we manage people. We manage budgets, programs, yep. production schedules, calendars, Systems. Like getting the train yeah. out of the station on time. We yeah. manage things, but we lead people, right? So I think part of it is the mindset mm. that, yes, I want to make that conscious choice to lead people. I think that uh, we absolutely, as organizations, can help people make the jump from manager to leader. Part of it is, well, what training are you doing internally on the differences between managing and leading? So people yeah. understand that step up and understand those skills. Uh, and, and if you're not training internally, are you hiring outside trainers? I can recommend some leadership trainers. <laughs> we know a few, um, yeah. Right. And then, you know, and then the other thing is if you've got people with great leadership potential, you know, 
years ago, coaching was limited somewhat. It was generally used remedially. Like we, we need to help you do better in these problem areas. Or it was, well, we tried to help them and now we can let them go. So, you know, right. it was not always done, I think, with the best of intentions. It was a cover their butt kind of thing to say, we, yeah, we, we yeah. made an attempt, they didn't respond, right. you're out of here. Yeah. There, there was a big shift years ago, many decades ago, maybe, where they realized, I mean, le coaching can be very effective with remedial if the organization sincerely wants this person to change and build in a few key areas, mostly around leading people. But if you've got, you know, high potential employees who you want to accelerate the jump from management to leadership or accelerate the jump from leadership to senior leadership, coaching is really effective for that. Yeah. Do you think current day it's more challenging to be a leader given so many different dynamics or is it just different than 10, 20 years ago where at that time there were just different dynamics than years prior to then? Right now, we've got maybe a potential for a recession. There, we're just coming out of pandemic. There's so much talk about DEI and mm -hmm. pronouns and sensitivities and, and all. That. I mean, is it more challenging to be a leader with that as the culture or, or the climate? So I, I don't want to minimize that it takes a lot to be a great leader. It takes self-awareness. It takes thinking. It takes reading. It takes having a coach. It you know, it takes... All these yeah. things you can you can choose from. I think there have always been challenges, so I think it's more it's it's more different really than more challenging. I think a lot of it is mindset, you know, and perception. You, our perceptions absolutely yeah. become our realities. If you see these days as challenging, you will feel more challenged as a leader, and mm. because energy is mirrors it's mm -hmm. forgive me energy is contagious bad word choice but um, <laughs> if you see things as if the leader sees things as challenging so will your team your team will see things as uncertain yeah. if you see the opportunity in everything and i mean everything then so will your teams so it does in that sense begin and end with the leader so how you view the situation, whether it is, oh my gosh, there's this pandemic and no vaccine, to oh my gosh, there's this vaccine, but a lot of people aren't taking it, mm -hmm. to hey, we're coming back. No, now there's a variant. Hey, there's we're coming yeah. back. No, it's a new variant, you know. And then there's yeah. the big quit. And then there's inflation and will it become recession? So I don't know that the world is more challenging now. I think it feels a bit more uncertain than ever before. Mm -hmm. And I think uncertainty will continue. That's the moment for powerful leadership. Yes. That's when your team needs you to help support them, guide them, empower them, you know, lead the way through uncertain times. So, yeah. And listen, I think there's always uncertainty, whether yeah. it's global, regional, the agency itself is uncertain. Like there's always going to be uncertainty. Um, there, there's a, an accounting firm with Smith and Brown. We both know them. They had a campaign for years and the tag was lead with confidence. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like as a, as a leader myself, that was important. And not that I wanted to 
lie or put up a false front of truth, but confidently we're going to get through this uncertainty. And I just, that, that always resonated with me. Yeah. So I, I wanted to get your understanding of that fine line between transparency and I need to protect my team from the full truth. And like, where do you lie with that? So it's so funny because I think we're connected on this level that I was about to talk about transparency and then you mm -hmm. mentioned it. So, <laughs> so, so research shows, research, not just making it up, that leaders and organizations that when you're transparent instills a sense of psychological security. So if you're a leader like I was, and I had some fear issues and I had some, ooh, I got to hold that back, ooh, yeah. you're not going to, whatever. I thought I, I would be able to create a sense of psychological security by doing that. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. So leaders who are more transparent, organizations that are more transparent, create a sense of psychological security. Mm -hmm. and, and the source of that data is the Neuro Leadership Institute. If you're interested in leadership, interested in how the brain works in leadership and coaching, they are a go-to place. So let's talk about how much to give away. I'm a big proponent of give away a lot of information. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to give away your salary, that's okay. They already know what one another make. They talk about salaries with one another. They just Even if you tell them, hey, you're not allowed to talk about your salaries, they're doing but it they, anyway. But you're not allowed Absolutely. to say that. That's just yeah. who says you're not allowed to. Right. You know, it's just patently untrue. And in fact, the movement in more and more states is we have to be transparent. Mm. We have I don't know if it's passed yet, but I believe there might be legislation on the table to that effect. Never let them see you sweat. Followers want confident, brave, secure leaders. That's who they follow. It mm. is absolutely magnetic. And when they perceive fear in their leaders, it creates, I don't know if dissonance is the right word, but it certainly creates discomfort. Well, before the podcast started, we were talking about a mutual friend, Steve Cody at Peppercom, now mm -hmm. Ruder Finn. He told me a story in the last big turndown, 2008-9, there was this perfect storm, like in an hour or maybe in a day, three clients called and said, Steve, we love you. We love Peppercom. We love the team. We love up the program, all this love, but we have to stop work because yeah. our budget just died. And he made a decision. We've talked about this. I may get some of the facts wrong because it's a few years ago, but that he decided if he ever had a moment of fear, he'd share it with his wife. He'd share it with his business partner. He'd share it with his dog, Pepper, but he would not share it with the team. And he was very mindful of that in meetings when walking the floors i mean he had a big glass open office so he mm -hmm. made sure that if you walked by you would see this brave confident leader he believed and i think steve was absolutely right that when in times of distress of some kind yeah. if we have a brave leader that does great things for us and gets us through and he led the firm out of that to greatness but you know think of leaders who must have been frightened along the way. Absolutely. In the Civil War, FDR and the Depression and World War II, Harriet Tubman, Gandhi. Were they afraid? How could they not have been? But they walked through their fear somehow. And in doing so, they gave courage to their followers. But they did it with transparency and said, hey, I'm also scared, or here's the uncertainty we're gonna face and we're gonna get through it together. And here's how I've got a plan, I've got a, you know, a goal, we're gonna do this thing together and we're gonna triumph, right? I don't know if they ever said, I'm afraid too, 
I don't okay. know that they did, but absolutely they said things like, here's the path I see, very visionary language, very visual language, yeah. and I need you in the boat with me. Yeah. So I think when you speak of courage, I think, and, and you mentioned balance, I think, like, what if you don't know the answer? Yeah. You can say, well, I don't know, but here's what I think, or here's what I feel, depending mm -hmm. on the language that works for yeah. you as a leader and what works for your teams. Here's the path I see. I need you with me. And if you're feeling really courageous, what you say is, you know, here's the path I see forward. I need you in the boat with me. And guess what? Three quarters of the way there, if it turns out I was wrong, we're smart, we're strategic, mm -hmm. we'll course correct. We got yeah. it. I mean, I, I feel braver just saying those words, right? Those words. I'm inspired. Right, yeah. Create something in the brain where, yeah. you you know, brave words, I think, create brave feelings. Well, you know, we yeah. know it goes thoughts, feelings, actions. We know that right. as coaches, right? And pe people will follow that. People really want yeah. certainty and courage from their leaders. Oh, I love that. That's inspiring to me. You brought me back to some of the troubling times I had as a leader and in the way that we we moved forward with it. So yeah, on that note, I want to shift to a couple of quick rapid fire non-agency leadership questions for you. No, no. Don't be I nervous. Didn't agree to everyone listening and watching, I didn't agree to this. You're being held at gunpoint. Um, coming out of pandemic, what's one of the greatest lessons or one of the craziest things that you guys did to kind of get through? I, I have a crazy observation that mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert who love who's also a homebody. Like mm. I only had one or two or three bad days. Like I was able to get energy from friends like you on Zoom. Yeah. That I know that was crazy. It was surprising. Yeah. The lesson I learned, you've got to take care of yourself as a leader. Yes. Whether it's exercise and or meditation and or mindfulness, please do yeah. it because you need it and your people need you to model it. And I will tell you honestly, you know, I think back, it was April of 2020, and I just had a really awful Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then it occurred to me, I hadn't exercised. I hadn't exercised yeah. those three days for some reason. And that was such a big part of where I was. But I, for whatever reason, I was too busy, so I didn't do it. Yeah. So that put me in a state. And then two things happened. One, I just put on my to-do list for Thursday. Exercise, bold, italic you know, exclamation, telling yourself and telling the universe yep. you're going to do it. Just owning it. Yeah. Owns. And then you put it in writing. So that helped. And then I was fortunate. I, I do a guest lecture around once a year with the Syracuse University Newhouse Executive Master's Program. Mm -hmm. And teaching that night just so lifted my spirits. Oh, that's great. And I kind of you know, because we were in that phase of in between the in-person training obviously had gone away. And I think virtual training hadn't hadn't been a big part of my playbook at that point. It was April of 2020, right. we were all it out. But man, I felt so good as a result. So yeah, so that wraps up two questions for me. And I'll throw the second one that I think that that touches on is like a really you know vital piece of uh, advice that you have. And that's, you know, share your knowledge, take care of yourself. It's kind of the oxygen mask thing put yours on before somebody else's. What is uh, a book, a podcast, an audio book, something that you're like super into right now? I think it's called The Art of Giving. And it is about how there are different leaders in the world and there are connectors and there are takers. And then there are givers. 
Well, we'll, we'll have we'll, to dig we'll it up find a and, way to get, and leave it in the show yeah. notes. But for me, just all these light bulbs went off. Yeah. It talked about it talks about different people, and in the beginning of the book, it doesn't identify them, and then it talks about a taker who had great success initially, and then came down, and it's the guy from Enron. Okay, yeah. Kenneth Lay, maybe. Is yep. That... Love it. Listen, uh, we need to wrap because I need to stay to twenty-five okay. minutes, or or my listeners are going to riot. Um, so I'm grateful for your time, grateful for your knowledge and wisdom and experience. Uh, thank you for your time, Ken. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs. As always, if you found value in this episode, chances are someone else will too. So please share it with your network. Also, if you know someone with expert knowledge on a topic that agency owners would love, drop me a note. Let's get them on. Finally, find someone to hug today.